Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Matthew chapter 5. We have been taking seriously the Sermon on the Mount, that if Jesus is our teacher and we call ourselves disciples, then we should know what it is that he taught. And we should seek to embody that in our very lives, in your very life, wherever you are watching us from. This is where we are called. And so I want to take this passage of Scripture and uh, and we will read this together. So if you have your Bibles, would you stand in honor of the reading of the gospel? According to Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 27. I'm going to read from the New Revised Standard Version today. And uh, so it may be a little bit different than yours, but you read yours, I'll read mine, and we'll meet somewhere in the middle. Okay? Does that sound all right? Hear the words of Jesus, our teacher, this morning. The good news. He says... You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust in his heart has committed adultery with her in his heart. I'm sorry, let me read that again. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into Gehenna. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Lord Jesus, come in this moment as our teacher teach us the good news. Help us to hear your voice that is clear and concise and filled with compassion. For we pray and ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Aren't you blessed already? We read the scripture, we can just go home now, right? Uh, no, no need to explain, we're all good. But you may be asking, Pastor, with all that's going on in the world right now, with, with all this virus stuff and elections coming up and, and all of this kind of stuff, why these verses on this week of all weeks? Why these verses on this week? Well, one is just because When I prepare, I let the Spirit tell me where we'll be, when it's going to fall. And I was asking that very question as I was preparing this week. Why these verses, God, on this week? Shouldn't I be talking about, you know, no fear or, you know, whatever the outcome, it will be okay. Um, Let's, let's, uh, you know, be kind to one another and prepare and wear our masks for our neighbors and, you know, all that. Shouldn't I be talking about those kinds of things? And so I began to dig in, why, why these verses on this week of all weeks? And I began to look and see that the, the topic that this verse, these verses deal with 
is something that has been exponentially increasing during this virus time. I was reading an article in Psychology Today. It's not even a, it's not even a Christian magazine. But they reported that many pornography sites have listed a 10 to 15 to 20 percent increase during this virus time. Some of that probably has to do with just more time. A lot of us are online a lot more than we used to be. But for some, they they kind of even were delving into it. Why was this? Well, some of it is for distraction. Some of it is for comfort. some, Some of it is to lower anxiety. But whatever the reason, I believe these verses are very timely for this week, in this time, in this location for us, both here physically as we're talking and for you online, wherever you're watching from. And so I want to be like Jesus in this moment and in this teaching. I want to be clear. I want to be very concise, as concise as as possible. I mean, Jesus said all of this teaching in about three verses. So I want to be clear and concise. But I also want to do it in the spirit and the heart that I just believe Jesus taught in and always taught in. And that was one of understanding human beings at such a deep level that he could be compassionate, even when his words were strong and clear and concise. So I pray that you will hear that and receive that today as we go into this teaching. The first thing that Jesus was clear about I, well, I need to be clear about because I believe, and I'll show you why I think Jesus was this way. I want to be clear that sexual desire is not evil. Did you hear me say that? This is yes. This is no. Sexual desire is not evil. That is not what these verses are trying to say. I want to be concise, so I want to go back to Scripture. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, or it'll be on the screen behind me. In Genesis chapter 1, right at the very beginning of the Bible, God says this. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 27, we're going to look at the first part of 28, and we're going to look at verse 31. In verse 27, it says that God created humankind in His image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. That means that God created human bodies. And He created different human bodies. We're online. I'm not sure what the FCC rules are. So I'll just say, we all, I hope you all know, how bodies are different. If you don't, biologically, it's in the sexual organs, the reproductive organs. But they are different. And God created them. Male and female, God created them in God's image. So, if you fall into those categories, and you have a gendered human body, that means you, you online, you are created in the image of God. And that should be something that is celebrated. It is good that they are different. And then God moves on in verse 28 and said, God blessed them and God said to them, 
be fruitful, and that's a command. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It's the only commandment human beings have never struggled with. Now, I don't want to open up too much of a can of worms. I've already probably opened up one already. But I hope you all know, and you online know, how we fill the earth and multiply. I don't want you to have to have that conversation in the minivan on the way home. But we are called to be fruitful and multiply. Not only is it good that you have a gendered body that is created in the image of God, but it is good that you desire one another and we are called to fill the earth and multiply to have children. And that requires sexual desire. And it's okay. Jesus was not saying that sexual desire is evil or bad. It was created by God. And I want you to see the last thing in verse 31. Genesis 1.31. God saw everything. God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, all the other things he said it was good. This one. After human beings are created in his image, with their gendered bodies, after he had commanded them to fill the earth and multiply and fill it, he says it was not just good, it is very good. So I want you to know, this is the Jewish understanding of sexual desire. And Jesus, like any good Jew, would not believe that sexual desire was bad. I mean, for crying out loud, they have a whole book of their Bible. That's just about sexual desire. Remember back in February, back before all this virus stuff, where we went through the Song of Songs? It is a a book of, of quite erotic poetry for its day. And they read that every year, usually around the time of Passover. So Jesus would have had this understanding as a good Jew that this is a good thing, this is a positive thing. So this is not what his teaching is about. That it's bad. Or that it's evil. Unfortunately for us, as Christians, as more and more Gentiles, non-Jews, became followers of Jesus, we began to kind of lose that Jewish heart. And as we began to uh, listen to probably more Greek and Roman philosophers than we did the heart of the Jewish Scripture, We did have early church leaders, some of whom we call saints today, who began to take on that Greek understanding that bodies are not good, or they're imperfect, and they're they're bad. And, And so, unfortunately, we have attached a lot of baggage when it comes to this topic, and we have taken this teaching way out of context. And so we can sometimes be known as those who really want people to repress those desires and urges, and we look on them as evil and bad, and there's baggage. But I want to be clear today. Jesus is not teaching that sexual desire is bad. Can you hear that today? I know that was a lot right up front. Sexual desire is not bad. But I also want to be clear that Jesus is saying sexual desire is a powerful force in human beings. It's a very powerful drive. It's a very powerful force. And he 
I also want to be clear that what he is saying is that not only is it a powerful force, but the use of that powerful force determines whether it is right or wrong, good or bad. Let me, let me give you an example of this through a metaphor because we often use the metaphor of fire when it comes to desire or love, you know. Uh, you can probably think of a bunch of songs. I won't list any because you'll just think I'm old. The songs I choose. But fire and desire we use quite uh, as, as metaphors together. So you think about uh, a fire on a cold night like last night in a fire pit or a fireplace like I had in my, my fireplace last night. That's good. Brings warmth. It's wonderful. Uh, it's beautiful to look at. It's kind of hypnotizing. It just calms us down as we're by the fire. Fire in a, in an oven. I mean, how many of you would love to go out of here and go get a nice wood-baked fire, uh, wood, wood-baked uh, pizza somewhere? You know, that would just be nice, wouldn't it? You know, fire in the oven, it's good, it's protected, it's used for good purposes to feed people or to keep people warm. It's beautiful. Outside of that containment, it's pretty destructive, isn't it? I mean, you only have to turn on the, on the news to look at the fires in Colorado or the West Coast. And I'm talking with my friends back in, in California and, and dealing with the damage and the destruction and the anxiety. So in the same way, sexual desire is such a powerful uniter of two people that it is safest within the protection of marriage vows. Where we commit before God and before our family members that we are going to give ourselves fully to one another in the good times and the bad times, in the struggles, in, in the, in the good times, in the times where it's difficult and in the times where it's just filled with joy. Some of the deepest joys are physically experienced by people who give themselves to each other in marriage. There is something about that promise. Now, I know we'll talk about divorce next week. I know it's there. But the purpose of those standing together with family and friends in front of God is to build that safe place where you can give yourself fully to someone else. And that is experiencing some of the greatest joy. As you can fully rely that they are there with you. And some of the deepest wounds, I'm talking about this power, some of the deepest wounds are when someone breaks that vow and walks away from the body they have united with. Some of you have experienced that when it comes to something like divorce. And I have heard some people in my office as I've counseled them through that. It feels like their heart has been ripped from their bodies. And that's true. Because when they stand together, we say the two have become one. It's like trying to remove your own skin. Don't let that be torn asunder. There is something about the sacredness of this joy that can be experienced in the good sexual desire that brings people together, that it is not meant to be torn apart. And some of the other deepest wounds around this area are when desire is used to wound others. Probably some of the most traumatic wounds that I have worked with as a counselor come 
when someone used their sexual desire to wound a child or to abuse an adult. This is a powerful force. It is not evil. It is not bad. Jesus is clear about that. But he's also very clear that this is a powerful thing. This is something that we are to use in proper context and not just throw around. This is why Jesus takes it so seriously. And basically what he's saying is not committing adultery is a pretty low bar for society. And he wants to remember, he is saying, I've come to fill that law full. Not throw it away. It's not like, okay, you don't need to worry about committing adultery anymore, but I'm going to take it even deeper. I want, I want to see, I want you to see this powerful good force. And if it's being misused, I want you to see where it can lead. And I want you to flee from that place. Jesus is in essence saying, looking at someone for the purpose of sexual desire does damage deep in the heart of the human being that is using the other person for sexual desire. It does damage deep in the heart. Deep in your heart. He is clear that noticing an attractive person is not what Jesus is talking about. Can you hear that? Noticing attractive, an attractive person is not what Jesus is talking about. That's why he uses very specific language when he says, But I say to you, this is verse 28, that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has committed adultery with her in his heart. The word that he used there for look is the word blepon. Let's, uh, let's say that together. It's the Greek word blepon. Ready? One, two, three. Blepon. We'll say it one more time. One, two, three. Blepon. Now he could have used the word matia, which, which just has the word glance or notice, but he uses a very specific word, blepon. It means what we would use in English to say to stare, to gaze. And some of you have experienced the uncomfortableness of that stare. From someone who you were pretty certain had a little movie going on in their mind. Jesus uses this word, blepon, to stare, to gaze. And then he uses another very direct word. It's a, it's a tongue twister, but I thought it would be fun for us to say. It is the word, epithumesai. Everybody say epi. Thume. Sai. Epithumesai. All right, one, two, three, epithumesai. And that is the word that is used in the Ten Commandments to covet or to desire. So it is that stare with a very intent purpose, a purpose to desire them, to covet them, to want them. Not no, not of, it's not about noticing attraction, but about intent to stare with the purpose of desire, or we would say today, to sexualize them. Now there's a difference here between noticing attraction and blepon for epithumesai. I think Martin Luther puts it good. I cannot stop a bird from flying over my head, but I can keep it from building a nest in my hair. I just shaved all mine off so that wouldn't happen. You see, you see what Martin Luther is getting at. That there's a difference between noticing, that's the bird flying in the air, 
But it's when we allow it to take residence in our head. He says, that's where Jesus is saying we need to be careful. Because when we stare with the intent to sexualize, this does damage in our hearts. Jesus says, where, where does he say? He says, when you, you have, uh, when, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her where? In his heart. Now remember, we, we think of today as the heart of the seat of emotion. You know, she has my heart. I just love her with all my heart. But when Jesus uses the word cardia or heart, it is the seat of our intent. It is the seat of our will, our strength, our willpower. See, Jesus, I, I think Jesus understood this. Because we are just now beginning to understand what sexualizing another person, whether that's through pornography or something along, it changes what we now know the, the center of our will is the brain. And it begins those neurons and synapses firing in a certain path that it becomes more easy for those synapses to fire along that path. And it begins to change our intent and it can change our will and our very seat of our desire and willpower. Do you see how clear and concise Jesus is being here? He, he is not shying away from this. So why does he take this so seriously? Number four, I want to be clear that he believes that the way we use sexual desire towards others is an indicator of what we think other people are for. Think about that. The way we use sexual desire towards others is an indicator of what we think other people are for. When we sexualize a person, we are saying that that person exists for my usage, for my pleasure. I, I know in our day and age we just think, oh, but it's up here, nothing going wrong, it's just my thoughts, it's, it's no big deal. But you don't understand, Jesus is saying, and, and what science is confirming, that it can begin to change and rewire things up here, our intent and our very willpower. And when we sexualize a person, we are saying that that person exists for my usage. We are in essence saying that they're not a human being made in God's image. They're just a thing that I can use. Do you see why Jesus is being very serious? It needs to be clear and concise. This is why it is so important to him. Remember, he is announcing good news that God's rule, that's the kingdom of heaven, has come in him. And in this kingdom, it includes the ones who have been excluded because they are all human beings who are created in God's image. And human beings have immense worth to God. And they are not to be cheapened as an object of sexual desire. They're not to be a thing that is to be used. They are the image of God that are to be reverenced and treated with dignity and respect and honor. And that includes you as well. That includes you. It includes you. 
So he uses, Jesus uses very strong language to make sure the crowds and his disciples know how important this is to God. He is clear, number five, that anything that aids the misuse of sexual desire should be swiftly removed from, my, from our lives. That's why he says, you know, if your eye offends, cut it out. If your hand offends, cut it off. Okay, now I have to be very clear and concise. Verses 29 and 30 are not encouraging body mutilation. Can I say that? Did you hear me say that? Did you online? Did you hear me say that? Verses 29 and 30 are not encouraging mutilation of the body. If that were the case, he forgot a member or two. He is not encouraging that. I want you to know that the eyes, the hands, the feet are often used as metaphors in the Psalms. They are used as metaphors. So he's drawing on those metaphors of the eye and the hand. The hand is often what we use for action. The eye is what we use for seeing and sometimes can signify our worldview or what we use our eyes for, what we let into our lives. And Jesus, so Jesus grabs those two from the Psalms and pulls them into his teaching. He is not telling you to poke your eye out or cut your hand off. Every statistic I read says in evangelical churches, 70% of men who attend regularly struggle with internet pornography. I won't ask for you to raise your hand to see if you have a bloody stump. Jesus is not calling for bodily mutilation. So what is he doing? He is using hyperbole. He is using hyperbolic language to get your attention, to get my attention, to get our attention as to how serious sexualizing someone else really is. And we've already talked about what ways, why that's important. He says that when we do this, we are throwing our lives into Gehenna. I know a lot of your translations say hell, and that's fine, but the actual word there in Greek is the word Gehenna. We talked about this two weeks ago. Gehenna is the garbage dump. It was the place of desecration and they wanted it to just stay covered in garbage. But, you know, a city produces a lot of garbage. And so what do they do? They light it on fire to consume some of that. And Jesus says, when you use someone else for your sexual desire, when you sexualize them, you are throwing your own life into that flaming garbage dump. When we sexualize someone else, we are being consumed by the fire. And if we don't take immediate action, we will be consumed and there may be nothing left. I mean, this just makes sense, doesn't it? My hunch is if all of a sudden you look down and your coat or your shirt or your jacket was on fire, you'd be getting rid of that thing. It wouldn't matter how embarrassing it was. You would do that. Jesus says this is how important. He is clear about this. So just like you would do that, you get rid of the things in your life that are causing or tripping you up or causing you to stumble in this area. For some of you, and I know Jesus talks about men, and in his day and age it was predominantly men who would do the staring and the sexualizing. In our day and age, 
Can I just say that one of the fastest rising groups of people that are using internet pornography are women between the ages of 18 and 40. So this is no longer just a male issue. It also includes women. And so for some of us, to get rid of that thing or to place it in the context of this powerful force that Jesus says is not good but can be used for great evil. Um, for some of us, it means in order to get rid of that, we may need to move our family computer out of our offices and into a public location in our home. That's what Jesus is saying. Do what you need to do because this is important That you are not consumed by this. Jesus does not want you consumed by this. He wants you to be a full human being who reverences and cares about other people who are human beings made in God's image. And you may need to do that. For some of us, you need to get a dumb phone. Not a smartphone. And it will be awkward and it will be terrible and you're going to hate trying to text with, you know, pushing numbers three or four times. Do they even make those anymore? Some of you may need to do this. This is what Jesus is saying. Whatever it is, cut it off, poke it out, get rid of it. Don't let your life be consumed. For some of you, it may mean relationships that need to be let go of. Because for some reason or another, it just can't help, or it feels like you can't help. Those desires that get out of control. And you may need to back away to be able to enter back into that relationship in a way that allows you to see their dignity and that they're not a thing to be used for your benefit. Or that you yourself are not a thing to be used for their benefit. Whatever it is, Jesus says, it's important. It's very important. That you do whatever is necessary. Very important. Lastly, Jesus is clear. When he says these things, I believe he is filled with compassion for those he is saying it to. And that includes you here today. And Jesus never asks you to do this alone. He will always be with you. I want you to see this because I think it's very important. We're seeing this whole sermon within this gospel. The gospel of Matthew. And the gospel of Matthew, the whole gospel is about proving that Jesus is God with us. You can turn in your Bibles if you want to Matthew 1.23. And this is Joseph who is hearing from the angel in his dream. And he quotes the prophet and says, Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall name him what? Emmanuel. Which means what? God with us. Right at the very beginning, he's like, this is what it's all about. This one who is coming is God with us. And then, if you flip all the way to the very last verse of Matthew, Jesus says, and remember, say it with me, I am what? With you always to the end of the age. It's Matthew's whole gospel that the one who is coming will be God with us. And at the very end, Jesus has gone through everything to say to us, I will be with you always. 
And so this teaching where he is very clear about how powerful this desire is, that it's not evil, but it can be used in a way that will consume you. And so I'm using very strong language to tell you whatever you need to do, cut that off, let it go, let change your life, however you do that. He is saying that in the context of, I will be with you always. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will be near you. As we work towards you not being consumed by this powerful force. So I want you to hear me today, you online. Jesus is with you. Now, Jesus is with you. And I want you to know that if this is your struggle, He is present and filled with compassion for you right now. Because He cares about you. Jesus does not want anyone to be consumed by this fire. He sees you as a person created in the image of God and you are worthy of His love and His compassion and His care. He cares enough about you to be clear and concise about the consequences of of certain actions and to call you into His kingdom. He still invites you to be one who is clear about this. And He promises to be with you all the way through this. And folks, I I should know. It's no secret. I've shared with you before about how this has been in the past my struggle. But I have found Jesus to be clear and concise. But most importantly, I have found Him to be compassionate and present with me. As he called me into his kingdom to see my brothers and my sisters as image of God people who are worthy of reverence and respect and dignity. And it is only through his compassion and mercy that I have experienced freedom in his name and for his sake. So I wanted to close today. By singing a song that is my testimony. And maybe it is yours. And I want to, I want to encourage all of us, including you who are online, to just take a moment and let the Holy Spirit do some searching for you. In your heart. In your life. I hope that you will find this song to be your testimony. That Jesus calls us, yes, to this deep place. But He says He will go with us. And you can be assured of His compassion for you in the midst of what He calls you to. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm not going to embarrass anyone with with a uh, a call to the altars. <laughs> but I am going to say, if this is your testimony, please don't leave this place without reaching out to me. 
You can go on our website at the church and you can find my email address. And if you need help with this, what we've talked about today, this teaching of Jesus, I want you to know that I'm available. And I understand. And I want to I want you to know the presence of the one who will heal you, who will walk with you through every high and low. There's a group of men here who meet and they keep each other accountable for just something like this. And if you need help, I want you to know that help is here. This is so important. Don't leave here feeling gripped by this in your life. Let Jesus heal you. He is with you. Jesus, we are so grateful that you are here with us now. God, we have heard your teaching clear and concise. Help us to hear it also with compassion and grace and mercy. And may those of us who struggle in this area find you to be faithful, to be present, to be there, to be filled with compassion for us, to empower us, to let go of the things that are consuming us, and to allow your Spirit to save and help us. We need to know your presence. And so I pray for every man and woman here. Help us to know that you are here right now. And I pray that if any are struggling, we would now hear your voice helping us to make a plan. To do whatever is necessary to let go of that which might consume us. That is consuming us. Help us, Lord Jesus to let go and trust you, to enter into your kingdom and to see our vision of other people change from a thing to be used back to what you created them for, your image to be respected and given dignity and hope. For we pray and we ask all of these things in the name of the compassionate present one, the one who is called Emmanuel, God with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Would you stand for the blessing? And now may you take this clear and concise teaching and hear it filled with compassion for you. For what you need in this moment. And may you trust that Jesus will be with you right where you are, willing to lead you, yes you, even you, into freedom and away from the things that might consume you. I pray you'll experience His presence and peace this week as you go. Stay safe. May God bless you. Be a good neighbor this week care for those around you. I pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever.
Amen. God bless you. Go in his presence and his peace. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.